Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Two great guests on today's show. It's Jake Fromm before we're done. Always happy to have the former Georgia quarterback a part of our show. And every Thursday, one of my favorite conversations we have throughout the week is the chance to talk to the great former Georgia wide receiver, Terrence Edwards. We'll do that in just a few minutes' time. So Terrence Edwards and Jake Fromm, two great guests on today's show. We will get to that here coming up. Prior to that, this, I think, is kind of interesting. You know, there is an assumption that I've been making for a while, and sure enough, you can understand the old cliche about assumptions, why oftentimes it's not great to make them, and maybe this is an example of that being true once again. The assumption I've been operating on for a while now, as someone who loves Georgia tradition in general, but the specific tradition of the game we kind of think of as the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, I have been trying to kind of come to peace with the idea the cocktail party just might get canceled. And some of this is because Kirby Smart wants that to happen. Some of this is because the SEC is about to undergo a lot of change. We're welcoming in two new members to our league next year. Uh, That's going to necessitate some sort of schedule change. So you're either going to have an eight-game conference slate where you play other teams more frequently or you move to a nine-game conference slate where you'll have still room for three permanent opponents but also kind of rotating around and playing a lot more of the league with regularity and with all of that change it just sort of seemed likely that a change that might be kind of in the works anyway would almost certainly kind of fall into place and that it might just become one of those deals where Georgia and Florida had to leave Jacksonville not play there each and every year and start playing the game on kind of a home and home basis now This is one of those things where I think reasonable people can disagree. I'm a big fan of the cocktail party. I've enjoyed going my uh, entire life. Many of you kind of feel the same way. However, there is a large contingent of Georgia fans who feel the opposite. And I respect the feelings of, of those Georgia fans there on that. I would say within the last, you know, five or 10 years, the number of Georgia fans who would like to see Georgia, Florida become a home and home game. I think that number's probably grown. I remember I had a chance to talk to now former Georgia Athletic Director Greg McGarity about this a few years ago, and I kind of asked him, you know, what do you think the split among the fan base is? And he kind of guessed it was probably somewhere in the neighborhood of about 50-50. Um, you know, I, I don't know that there's better information out there uh, than that. I'd be curious to hear what uh, Josh Brooks, the Georgia Athletic Director, might say if asked the same question. But whatever the percentage is, there's a large number of Georgia fans that would love to have a better home game in Athens every other year. And there's a large percentage of Georgia fans who love the idea of the cocktail party like that game down there in Jacksonville and a lot of this as you know kind of stems on where you live if you live up here in the uh you know north part of the state well obviously a game in Athens a bit more convenient for you if you live down there in the south part of the state there's a huge uh contingent of Georgia fans who don't just live down in kind of you know southeast Georgia but kind of across that Florida border even Jacksonville Bulldog Club one of the biggest most vibrant you know Bulldog clubs there is all kinds of UGA fans kind of live there around what we kind of think of as that first coast area of Florida so big divide among Georgia fans about this issue where you live kind of goes a long way oftentimes towards determining how you feel about this but while we may all get our vote the person who oftentimes speaks the loudest about stuff like this the person who carries the most weight when he chooses to use his words is Georgia coach Kirby Smart and at different times Smart has made his opinions on this pretty well known now Smart also sometimes kind of pivots a little bit more of a political answer of hey I'm fine with the game wherever it is and you know blah 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 
But other times, you know, smart kind of is a little bit more aggressive about making sure folks are aware of exactly what his opinion is. I'll give you an example of this SEC network last year, SEC media days when that event in the summertime was in Atlanta. So smarts on the TV set there with the SEC network, and he's kind of going back and forth with Tim Tebow. Now, some of this is just kind of for fun. You know, Kirby's just playing along with the uh, with, with the TV script here a, a little bit. But nonetheless, you know, smart and kind of going back and forth with, with the former Florida quarterback kind of makes his case for this game not remaining in Jacksonville, this game kind of becoming a home and home. For context here on where we're about to go, let me let you hear a little bit of Kirby with Tebow last year, SEC Media Days. Kirby making the defense to cancel the cocktail party. Here is Kirby from last summer. How come you want to switch it up? Why is it one of the best environments? I think. You, how many times did you play in Athens now? None. None. How many times did we get to play in Gainesville? None. I think that's special. It is. I think that's special. But it's. But you get a lot of home and road games, but you only get one where it's split 50-50 no, in don't. the middle. We're, we're going to play Oregon this year in, the, in, in Mercedes. I know, and there'll be pockets full of it, but this one's literally split right down the middle. Orange and blue, red and black. It absolutely is. I'll tell you what, y'all tell Florida you call the AD and you ask them to come to Atlanta and come play us. <laughs> we'll play in Atlanta anytime they want to play. <laughs> I'm not, you, you, split, you, I feel like it's more of an advantage I, for Florida. It's not an advantage for anybody. Look at the history of it. The yeah. team with the you know the better players and the better team usually wins that game, and it affects the outcome of the SEC East. It's more about, for me, I'm competing against guys all across the SEC who host kids at their biggest game. So that's Kirby Smart making it pretty clear that if he had his way, Georgia-Florida would be played in Athens every other year, and he'd tolerate the road game in Gainesville to get the home game that he wants and I think there have been other statements like that throughout the years where Smart sort of made his opinion known but I don't believe he's ever been quite as forceful as he was in the SEC network about that uh, last summer and so because of that and because of another thing that happened prior to last year's game do you remember when I don't mean to get like procedural into the weeds and stuff like this but do you remember like when Georgia and Florida issued a joint statement together prior to last year's game where they were talking about leaving all options open for the future of that game. You know, that was a little bit of a different type of twist in all of this because, you know, previously it sort of seemed like whatever Georgia wanted to do, the head coach obviously speaking one way, the Florida contingent was pretty well adamant about, we want to keep this game in Jacksonville, we want to keep this game in Jacksonville. But when Georgia and Florida came together for a joint statement, that was a little bit of a signal of, to the folks in Jacksonville, I believe, that if you want to keep this game here in the future going forward, you better better be ready to pony up big bucks on all of this. Otherwise, we're open to every single option if we're not getting quite as much money from you as we feel like this game is worth. And so you add that to what Kirby has said, the winds of change blowing in the SEC in general. And once again, to go back to the idea of an assumption, my assumption has been well, I guess we better enjoy this year's cocktail party because there's a very good chance it comes to an end after this. After all, the kind of official term of the contract does end after this year's game with option years in place for the next two seasons after that, 2024 and 2025. And so I thought, well, maybe they don't even take the option years. Maybe they just cut it clean here right now and get ready to start playing this thing home and home with the introduction of two new teams, the SEC, an entirely different SEC scheduling model. Maybe that just means that this is the last year for Georgia, Florida, in Jacksonville but things apparently are a lot more complicated than that little summation I just gave you right there first of all we've got the Jacksonville mayor Lenny Curry who is about to have his term ended. there's a new election coming up there'll be a new mayor in Jacksonville I believe after that but Curry went on a good sports radio station 1010 XL down in Jacksonville yesterday and Curry talked about the fact that the stadium kind of formerly known as the Gator Bowl now it's what 
T-I-A-A-F or something like that. It's been it's not a thousand different names. Um, but that stadium is apparently due for some renovations, which will cause at least for a couple of years the cocktail party not to be played in Jacksville, no matter what the long term future of the game is. Now this is interesting. Uh, so let me let you hear Lenny Curry, Jacksville Radio yesterday. This is the Jacks Mayor on at least a brief interruption coming up for the Georgia Florida game in Jacksville because the stadium's gonna be renovated. Take a listen to Curry from ten ten XL take into consideration Florida Georgia Georgia Florida game depending on which year it is and my chief administrative officer right now is in regular communications and talks with both schools so we're still working the deal um ideally you know maybe it's a uh, see we're in 2023 so maybe it's a 25 26 renovation that'd be a good goal um and then both schools would uh in those two years get their home game and then the goal is to have already negotiated a deal that they're back in Jacks under the new stadium in 27 and beyond. So that's Lenny Curry saying, hey, the stadium's going to be renovated. It's going to take two years. And for that two-year period of time, Georgia and Florida are going to have to go play this game in a home-and-home situation, much the same way many of you were old enough and alive to remember when they did this in 1994 and 1995, back when Florida was good, Georgia wasn't. There was a home-and-home back then while the stadium was renovated back at, at that particular time. Now, what's interesting here, and this is just kind of a little bit of a footnote, is that Curry says, hey, you know, you do the renovations in 2025 and 2026, you're back here playing in 2027. However, there is some reporting out there that says the actual dates in which this might take place are probably more along the lines of renovations taking place in 2026 and 2027. So in other words, maybe they would keep the situation in place for the two option years, the 2024 year, the 2025 year, and then actually do the renovations in 2026 and 2027. I know that's kind of complicated, but that's, you know, maybe what's going on there. A little bit of dispute about what two years the renovations might occur on. But the point of all of this is this, is that once again, to go back to the notion of an assumption, if you've been operating on the assumption, well, Georgia, Florida is not long for Jacksonville anyway, this stadium renovation coming at this particular time just makes it that much easier to say, okay, well, I guess it's just over. Stadium's not, you know, appropriate for the game right now. You're going home, you know, for two years, home and home for two years. And once that two years is done, maybe just keep right on doing that, which is what some people kind of thought they were going to do anyway. However, this is where a little bit of a plot twist occurs, because apparently, I'm going to show you this on Twitter from Andy Staples. Uh, Andy's closely connected to the Florida program, but also writes and covers college football for The Athletic. He has a very interesting story out right now where he talks about the two years of renovations that are going to be occurring in Jacksonville, that it's not perhaps quite as simple to say, well, Georgia and Florida will just go home and home for both those years. Let me show you this on the screen here from Andy Staples, who writes on Twitter as a tease to his story. The Bulldogs and Gators may have to relocate their annual cocktail party game for two years. So one in Athens and one in Gainesville, right? He asks. Maybe, but Andy Staples says there's a lot of money in keeping the game neutral so in this particular story from andy staples at the athletic and you can read it it's a subscription website but if you've got a subscription to the athletic you can read the story staples talks about the fact that it's not quite a done deal or maybe not quite as simple as you might assume that when this game goes new goes home and home or or when a game has to leave jacksonville for two years in either 2024 25 or 26 and 27 whichever two-year period of time this is it's not as simple to assume the game will just be played in athens and gainesville for those two years staples says that the game in jacksonville Maxwell has now become so lucrative 
that it's essentially in the eyes of the schools involved, Georgia and Florida, a little bit of a financial loser to have the game home and home because they make so much money from Jacksonville, it actually cost them that much money to play the game home and home. These two schools, Georgia and Florida, might actually be content to shop it around for those two years. And so while the game historically has been a neutral site game in Jacksonville for as long as any of us can remember, uh, for the two years the Jacksonville Stadium is being renovated, they may not do what they did in the 90s, which is just take it home and home for a couple of years. Staples reports they may shop it to Atlanta. They may shop it to Orlando. They may shop it to Tampa, and they may shop it to Miami, which means that when the two-year period of time is up for the Jacksonville Stadium renovations, now, according to Staples of the Athletic, now Jacksonville is having to negotiate and kind of bidding war against one of these other cities to keep the long-term future of the game. So it may be way too soon to say this is definitely going to become a home-and-home type situation for Georgia and Florida. Now, that's a lot of the facts related to this. Let me give you my simple opinion. I am not in favor of this game being played in a neutral side anywhere other than Jacksonville. To me, my first choice for this game would be Georgia, Florida, and Jacksonville. My second choice for this game, if you can't play in Jacksonville each and every year, would be able to play it, you know, you know, in Athens and in Gainesville. Those are the two other those are the only two options I'm willing to consider. Even a game that's closer to to home here in Atlanta, Georgia already plays in Atlanta like four times a year, it seems like in, in, in most years. I don't know that Georgia needs one more game in Atlanta. If it makes the program money, I guess good for them. They're not gonna share any of that money with me anyway. So I, I don't care about that. I, I don't think Georgia needs another game in Atlanta. And you can't have the cocktail party in Orlando. Listen, I love taking my kids to Disney, but they're not going to tolerate our nonsense down there for the cocktail party. You can't have the cocktail party in the middle of the Magic Kingdom. You just can't do that. That, That's not a good fit. And listen, we were in Miami a couple of years ago for the Orange Bowl. Those people don't care about college football down there. They don't care about Georgia, Florida. they, They barely even care about the Orange Bowl. And don't even get me started on Tampa. So it is interesting reporting from Andy Staples. And I guess the key takeaway you ought to get here is, is that the demise of the cocktail party to this point in time may have been greatly exaggerated. The fact is, the two schools, Georgia and Florida, they like the money they get from this neutral site game. And while eventually this may become a home-and-home situation, it's not so safe to assume that's definitely going to happen. Even, by the way, in the two years coming up in which the Jacksonville Stadium is going to be renovated, that Georgia and Florida may be content to shop this around and see if another city is willing to give them the big bucks for a game like this. When that happens, when that's all said and done, maybe back in Jacksonville again, this story may not be nearly quite as settled as I at one point in time thought it was probably going to be. So we'll follow that. We'll see where it goes from here. It is uh, Brandon Adams' Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Meriwether and Tharp. And happy to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 945, first and 15, dognation.com, dognation app, 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, on the radio at noon, on Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, as a podcast, wherever you find them, including the world-famous dognation.com, Apple, Spotify, everything else. A lot of ways to catch our program. We're just glad you picked one of them. You use that. And we're fairly platform agnostic. Whichever one works for you, we're just glad it does. And we just thank you so much for tuning in and being a part of what we do all day, every day. Uh, summertime, fall time, wintertime, springtime, whatever. We're just here for you on Dog Nation Daily. Glad you're here there as well. And so thankful to our friends at Meriwether and Tharp who make it all possible for you there too. Your source for Georgia divorce. And I do realize that that kind of stops everybody in their tracks. You know, we're talking Georgia football. We're talking the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. And Bob Tharp, uh, one of the partners over there at Meriwether and Tharp, you better believe he loves those conversations. That's why he likes being a part of Dog Nation Daily. He likes all that fun and he likes all the good stuff that kind of comes from a college football conversation like this. And divorce is like the exact opposite of that, right? 
the fun of college football, the fun of sort of figuring out where George is going to be playing some of its big games and what we get to do as a part of all that. We love that. But for some people, life sometimes is about confronting something that you don't love. In some cases, it's about confronting something that you hate. And no doubt the divorce process, if you find yourself going through it, I'm guessing that generates a lot of negative emotions and energy for you. And I do understand that. And I do get that. And I wish I could wave a magic wand and just take it all from you. If I really could, uh, obviously I would. But since I can't, let me do the next best thing for you. That if you find yourself having to confront this particular version of reality, the best way to do it is to have a strong advocate on your side. It is. Because that strong advocate can help explain the law to you, can help talk to you about how you can navigate certain aspects of the law to your benefit. There are a lot of kind of issues downstream from divorce, stuff with your finances, stuff with your children, stuff with all of that. Hey, putting yourself up in a position to be the best setup you can be for a successful next season of your life, that's what's important here right now. My friends at Meriwether and Tharp want to help you do that. So please have that free initial consultation with one of their attorneys. Then make the decision to hire Meriwether and Tharp to walk with you through this divorce process. I truly believe uh, that you'll be glad that you did. You may not have chosen divorce. Divorce may have been handed to you here, or you may have tried to avoid it and now kind of realize that it's unavoidable. That just may be the reality. But if that is your situation, my friends at Meriwether and Tharp can help you. So find them online, theatlantadivorceteam.com. That's theatlantadivorceteam.com. Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. All right. A couple of really fun things coming up. As I told you before, it's Jake Fromm later. It's Terrence Edwards in a few minutes. All of that's really good. We'll give you a uh, another name in our Kroger Perfect Moms giveaway. Excited about being able to do that on the program today there as well. So all of that's coming up. Let me do two quick things before we get there. One of these is fun. One of these is kind of serious. So if you go to dognation.com, our friends at the AJC also, I'm sure have plenty of coverage about this there as well. There are new details in the Devin Willick situation at Georgia. Willick's father has uh, filed a lawsuit, substantial sum of money that they are seeking on that. Georgia has had a response to that. Y'all kind of know the deal here on this. We've kind of gotten into sort of the legal part of all of this. We sort of knew it was probably heading that way. Um, I don't have much to say about that. I, I really don't. Um, we told you a couple of months ago that, you know, once this kind of got past the initial stage, that it just wasn't a topic for us to address on a daily basis. We're just not. That's just not what we do. So um, uh, you want to mo- know more of the details about that? Um, you can go read that dognation.com. And, you know, if something pops up that's relevant to our audience, obviously, we'll we'll figure out a way to talk about it here on the show. But for now, I want you to know that's out there. You're probably already aware of that. You can follow that and sort of figure out where that goes. This is obviously just, you know, an expected next step in all of this. And then, you know, the rest of these steps will kind of play out. But we are not uh, court TV, so we are not going to follow every twist and turn of the legal beat on this process. Uh, but nonetheless, there are plenty of people who do. And I'm sure you'll seek it out if you want it now. On a much more fun note, let's go around the doghouse here just for a moment. And uh, so tell you a quick story. This is kind of what my life is like this time of year. So I wear multiple hats in my life. And one of the hats that I wear, the hat you probably know me as wearing, is the host of Dog Nation Daily. Uh, greatest job in the world. I love doing it. So I show up in the morning. We kind of do the Georgia football show. And that's kind of my life. But as you sort of transition to the afternoon into the evening, I, took, I put on a different hat, completely different hat. I become my son's baseball coach. And, you know, this time of year, we're very busy during baseball. You know, we're doing that several nights a week, which I love. It's just a completely different version of me. Love doing that. But that kind of occupies a lot of time during the evening. So here's what almost always happens. When the baseball game is done, you come home. I'm like anybody else. You know, I'm getting back on the phone. I'm looking to see what have I missed while I've been unplugged? Because when you're kind of in the baseball thing, you're kind of 
just you're very involved in all that. And so, you know, you kind of miss a lot, especially when it comes to college football. And it seems like there's always something crazy going on around the SEC or something like that. Um, and so I'm always kind of curious, what have I missed while I've been doing this baseball thing? So I started scrolling through there and saying that a lot of the Georgia, Florida stuff is popping up last night. I was like, well, that's kind of interesting. But there was also this thing that I got shared multiple times. I mean, it's amazing to me within like the Georgia Internet, like, you know, UGA Twitter, if you will. It's amazing to me how quickly something can go viral. I mean, it's just amazing. It, we kind of go from zero to 100 just like that. And uh, this is an example of that. So Zach Smith, you may re- remember as former Ohio State uh, assistant coach years ago, kind of involved in some some, you know, I don't know. You can Google if you want to know. He's he's hadn't been involved in all kinds of stuff. You know, part of the Urban Meyer staff there. You know, for the most part, Smith's kind of outside the coaching ranks because of some of his own choices right now. But now he's just doing a show because literally everyone has to have a show now. And so Zach Smith has a show too. And so Smith had a clip that he shared of, I guess what you could kind of describe as sort of trolling Georgia a little bit. Now, I had this explained to me that maybe this is not supposed to be taken at face value this is actually supposed to be uh kind of a joke in other words they're intentionally trying to fire up georgia because they want georgia to exceed the 11 and a half season win total if i'm understanding all this correctly that may be kind of what all this is but georgia fans jumped all over this yesterday because they have a very short fuse and this is what we love about dog nation but nonetheless you know that's the case so just for fun here here is the former ohio state assistant coach he was wide receivers coach right Uh, the former ohio state assistant coach uh on a part of a show these on now kind of trolling georgia and its fans it's got a big reaction from uga fans last night take a listen to this the reality is this georgia won back-to-back national championships on the on the back of a ridiculous defense that is gone that defense is gone kirby's little pet project is gone the run is over. It was a cute two years. Back to the abysmal depths of being eight and four. Enjoy, Bulldog fans. So I don't think this is meant to be taken seriously. Now, I'm never quite so sure anymore. As I told some of y'all on Twitter last night, in this day and age, I, I can't tell what's real and not anymore. It just sort of feels like everything is kind of make-believe from time to time and sort of put on from time to time. You know, clearly Zach Smith's cutting sort of a wrestling-style promo here on this. In fact, it kind of makes me think, Maybe I should start yelling and doing stuff like that a little bit more. Maybe that's the, maybe that's the uh, key here. Maybe I, maybe I don't spend enough time yelling on this show because it feels like he's certainly yelling right there. But I don't think this is meant to be taken seriously. And from that standpoint, maybe I will get uh, kind of worked up here for a moment. I'm actually kind of offended by this. Because what Smith is sort of doing there is, is making a mockery out of something that we believe is very real. And, you know, when you hear stuff like that, I think people want to kind of put this in the box of, oh, yeah, ha, 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 ha. All of those doubters for George, they were all fake. Well, this dude may be fake. He's cutting sort of a wrestling style promo. I don't think he's meant to be taken seriously. I don't even think he's trying to be taken seriously. But when Reese Davis is on the clip we played for yesterday, when he picks Michigan to be number one, he does want to be taken seriously. And I think if you're a Georgia fan, that ought to be offensive to you. And when Urban Meyer says he thinks the Texas pound for pound is the most talented roster in college football, I think that ought to be kind of offensive to you. I mean, if you're a Georgia fan, as I said yesterday, I love college football conversations. If you want about if you want to talk about Texas, I'm here for it. Could Texas beat Alabama week two? I think they could. Uh, is Quinn Ewers one of the really interesting quarterbacks in the sport right now? I, I I think that's that's true. I love talking Texas football with you. I'd be happy to do it. But acknowledge Georgia first, and then move on to Texas. I, I know that Georgia's the best team on paper. I know Georgia's the, the the favorite here. But I tell you, Texas may be kind of interesting. Texas could be a dark horse playoff contender. 
I'm fine with that conversation. If you start with Georgia, then work your way to Texas. But don't give me Texas off the top as the most talented team in college football. That's laughable on its face. Same thing. I'm a college football fan. You want to have a conversation about the chance that Michigan could win and beat Alabama for a third, excuse me, uh, could beat uh, Ohio State for a third straight year, could win the Big Ten again, that Jim Harbaugh, after kind of at one point in time being a little bit of a cartoon character, has actually turned out to be a pretty good coach, despite the fact that he keeps flirting with the NFL, staying in college, he's kind of proven himself to be a winner. I think that's kind of an interesting conversation. As a college football fan, I'm happy to have that conversation with you. But start with Georgia. Say something to the effect of, I mean, clearly you can't rank Michigan ahead of Georgia, but you know what? They could be back in the playoff again here this year. That's not what Reese Davis did, and that's not what Urban Meyer did. And that's real. That's meant to be taken seriously. We're also kind of entering into kind of a media days season, talking season type stuff where everybody's going to be workshopping their takes. Everybody's going to be shopping around to say something interesting about somebody other than Georgia because Georgia runs the risk of making the sport kind of boring. So the stuff like the Zach Smith thing here, cutting a promo against Georgia, I actually don't even think that's all that helpful because I think it allows people to kind of assume that all of the kind of negative you know doubt or stuff that exists about Georgia, that it's all as fake and make-believe as the stuff with Zach Smith supposed to be right there. But some of y'all know that's not the case. Some of y'all know this was very real. Preseason a year ago, when everyone was sort of touting Ohio State and Alabama at the expense of Georgia prior to the Tennessee game, uh, you know, you know, prior to the South Carolina game, prior to the Kentucky game, all kinds of games a year ago, when somebody other than Georgia was kind of the pick, that was all real. And this Georgia team in 2022 played with an edge because of it. Well, guess what? I think they may have a chance to have an edge about themselves here in 2023 there as well. The Zach Smith thing may be fake, but everything else, or at least a lot of other things, are plenty real enough. And you better believe that every Georgia fan, including right here on the show, we are saving receipts on all of it. And that is Run the Doghouse here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. Now, but before we get ready to bring on Terrence Edwards, have a fun conversation with him, let me also shout out our latest winner of our Kroger Perfect Mom giveaway. Now, why do we call them Perfect Moms? Because so many of the moms in our audience are perfect, right there for what we need, when we need them, and we're thankful for that, including my own mom and the uh, mom of my children, my wife, who just serves them uh, so well. But so many of you have your own story to tell on that. Plus, George is also celebrating uh, a go for two and 22 perfect season there too so it kind of ties in together uh perfectly if you will and our winner today is linda kelman from grayson georgia congratulations linda for being our perfect mom today nominated by her son john who says she always puts family first married 50 years and still going how about that what a great thing best mom i could ever ask for well uh john we appreciate your nomination congratulations to linda there and grayson for being our big winner great collection of gift cards coming your way courtesy of our friends at kroger and folks don't forget get ready for mother's day our friends at kroger get you covered on all of that in fact we'll even tell you more about that before our show is done when we welcome on jake Fromm here coming up in a couple of minutes but for now though on a thursday as you've come to expect always so many great things to uh be said and asked for uh and talked about when it comes to the great former georgia bulldog terrence edwards let's get ready to do that right now we'll kind of get into some of the stuff about is it fair to say that uh there are doubters out there for the georgia program after two straight national championships could that still be true and what should the future of georgia florida be in jacks we'll kind of cover a lot of that ground uh with terrence edwards and so much more on the way uh glad to have him and all of you with us here on dog nation daily presented by meriwether and tharp today From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So a lot I want to talk to Terrence Edwards about, but Terrence, I'd ask you about this off the top. Um, saw this on Twitter the other day. You're obviously a part of that great Milton staff there, one of the great programs in that North Fulton area. 
do y'all have one of Michael Vick's relatives on your team? I saw you interacting with uh, Vick a little bit on Twitter the, the other day. Do you have a uh, Vick relative there as a part of that Milton program right now? Yes, we do. We have this uh, Shamar Vick. It's his, his little cousin. That's really cool. I mean, first of all, that in the Atlanta area to have that last name on the back of your jersey, that's a pretty big deal, right? I mean, I'm obviously, you know, I'm, I'm sure he wants to make his own name and, you know, doesn't want the extra attention maybe, but uh, that's a pretty prominent name to have on the back of your jersey here in the Atlanta area, is it not? Yes, it is. And he definitely has the big genes as well. So I'm excited to see this young man play for the Milton Eagles this year. Uh, um, and he's a great young man on and off the field. And, and I told him, like, I played with your cousin uh, in Atlanta. So he thought that was pretty cool. So hopefully we could get Mike down uh, to some games and watch him play. No, I think that's great. That's good stuff, Terrence. I- I'm glad to have you uh, share that. So uh, before you were jo- joining us, talking about the fact that, you know, like some of it's kind of put on and some of it's for show but you know last year georgia did have some critics right there were some people who didn't think stetson bennett could win a second straight national championship that didn't think georgia could thrive after losing 15 drafted players off the previous year's team and georgia went out there and obviously silenced those doubters uh last season and parents i get the impression there may still be some of those for this upcoming season there as well do you think it's fair to say that even in the midst of all the winning that georgia's done you know, they still qu- haven't quite made believers out of everybody maybe just yet? You know, in, in, in football terms, it's fair because each team is different. Uh, we all know what type of recruiter uh, the Georgia Bulldogs are right now, and uh, they're bringing in the top talent. But each year brings a different uh, element, a different team. And, uh, you know, I, one of the things that I spoke about last year when all those draft picks was was lost. It's just the, the the leadership. I think the leadership comes with more than than, than talent. We have talented players. Uh, we we lost a quarterback that have started a lot of games. Breaking a new quarterback. Um. So we could go out and and, and there there can be some. You know, are they going to be able to do what they they have done the last two years? But you know, I think the. The players and the coaches understand what's in front of them, and I think they're going to go out each and every week and prove people wrong. But just to have doubts, I don't think it's unfair to have doubts going into the season by the outsiders. And as a player yourself, you know, I think people our age love like Michael Jordan, Last Dance, things like that. And Jordan as a player was always seemingly looking for whatever motivational edge and advantage that he could give for himself you know taking things personally things like that he always just kind of wanted that edge and that and that and that you know that 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 competitive fire like how important is that like do we make too much of this the idea that you're going to use perceived doubt or somebody not believing in you or making an enemy out of your opponent as some sort of like competitive edge there like 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 how real is all of that oh it's definitely real uh the competitive edge of not really giving bullet board material is real because I think that's one of the things that players uh, play on, uh, just like the last dot, uh, last dance, like you said. And, and, and B.A., this is going to come to a surprise to you. I have not watched one oh, you gotta watch it. Uh, of the last dance. I watched clips on social media but have not watched it. But like they said, Michael Jordan would make up things about his opponents to get his, his motor going. So – Having critics out there is a good thing in my opinion because now the coaches have something to build build on during the summer. You're not as great as you think you are. You're reading the, the, the press clippings and everyone is praising. But when there's some doubt, there's some things that the coaches can use as extra as motivation. And sometimes you need, you need that motivation because I think a lot of people don't understand you know, those long days when there's no football in the summer and um, – 
you just don't really get a full grasp of what the football team is going to, what they have to put their bodies through to prepare themselves for the season. Some days you just don't want to do it. You're just tired. And there's some, there's some motivation that the coaches can use to get you amped up and ready to uh, prepare you for your day. So uh, it is real. And I think and, and I, and I, I would love for the critics to continue to doubt this team so they can actually have more motivation to try to three-peat. Let me shift gears, talk about a different topic here for a moment. Um, there's been some chatter out there about the future of the Georgia-Florida game in Jacksonville. Terrence, I've been kind of operating on the assumption that this game was eventually going to leave and become a home-and-home. Home. It just seems like that's the direction the wind's been blowing. But I guess there's some new reporting out there that maybe not quite as true. It sounds like that both these teams, Georgia and Florida, may be content to kind of take the two option years that exist on this contract after the end of this season. So, we may be in for at least a couple of more years of the game in Jacksonville because the contract does allow for those extended years. And then even through some stadium renovations, it sounds like based on some reporting that, hey, that they may still shop this around as a neutral site game for those two years and then quite possibly looking to keep it neutral even beyond that. Now, some of this may also just be posturing and trying to see how much money they can get. And obviously, we know how negotiations go. But from the standpoint of what should happen, I'm sure we've talked about this in the past. Do you think this game should be in Jacksonville? Do you think it should be in a home-and-home situation? Would you be interested in seeing this played in a neutral site somewhere other than Jacksonville? What are your overall feelings on this? So my feelings is something that I I would like to see. It probably would never happen. But I would like a a four-site rotation. That means Georgia get a home, Florida get a home, we go to Jacksonville, then we get one in the Mercedes-Benz in a four-year span. So that would, would be my idea if I had to say. I would love to see that because uh, everybody get opportunity to, to experience a home-and-home, home, get experience to neutral sites in both states. So that would be my choice. But, uh, you know, that game is just so beloved in Jacksonville. Uh, I'd be shocked if it leaves Jacksonville. But if, it, if I had to say, that would be my home-and-home and, home and two neutral sites in each state. That's kind of what Coach Rick used to say, too, right? Obviously, the coach that you played for, at least for part of your career there, Georgia. Did did y'all ever talk about that? Because it seems like, you know, Coach Rick at times would sort of say something similar to that. Is is that something y'all ever discussed? No, it never came up uh, that I can remember about trying to move the venue. I just think that that is just such a big spot, and everyone just knows the world, Lord Scott Teleporter. So it was never a – that I can remember a, a topic of discussing. Um, but just for me, I, I just would love to see that that four rotations for a home-and-home and two neutral sites. You know, I understand where you're coming from. I think a lot of Georgia fans probably agree with you on that. I guess the one thing I would say in response to that is, and I kind of joked about this with our audience before you joined us, you know, it seems like Georgia already plays so many games in Atlanta. Oftentimes they begin the season there because of a Chick-fil-A kickoff. The SEC championship takes place in Atlanta every year. There's always a, you know, they've, they've played in the Peach Bowl a couple of times, you know, national championship there. It seems like it, they end up playing in Atlanta three, four times a year as it is for whatever reason, uh, that it's almost like they're getting their fair share of Mercedes-Benz Stadium right now. And then maybe because of that, Georgia, Florida, that's not the right place for that because it seems like Georgia's already in Atlanta a pretty good bit just because of how successful the program has been. No, I agree. You know, just thinking of that aspect, I, I definitely agree with you on that list. And I can me and my and we just do a home and home and one in Jacksonville then do do a three team ro- rotation. But I, I definitely agree with you that we have been to the Mercedes and that's just basic Santa Stadium 2.0. I, I would would say, but no, I agree with you on that. That we we have played in, at the Mercedes Benz a lot and it's 
and probably the lure of Georgia playing there has probably lost its luster a little bit because we 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 are playing in it so much. So I, I agree with you on that. So one final topic I want to address during our time together. ESPN had a write up the other day looking at the Georgia quarterback situation. I'd sort of planned on talking about this on the show today, just didn't have time to. And one of the things they discussed, Terrence, is the idea that this is a competition that's still going to go into the season and that maybe Carson Beck's ahead right now, but Kirby's kind of shown you in the past that that he'll make that switch during the year. Obviously, he did that with Stetson Bennett there in 2021. And I sort of felt like this was a little bit of a mischaracterization that when I look into the Georgia quarterback situation, I sort of see a guy like Carson Beck, the best that I can tell. Now, you've seen practice, you're closer to the program than I am, but I sort of got the sense that that uh, that Beck really asserted himself this spring. And actually, the quarterback situation at Georgia probably seems a little clearer post-spring practice. I sort of thought that it would be. You know, I thought it might be a little closer. But the best that I can tell, it seems like Carson Beck right now, and he hasn't been named starter. Kirby's not going to do that. But, boy, he certainly has demonstrated himself, I think, to be the starting quarterback. Am I describing that the right way? Do you think that Carson Beck has kind of clearly put himself out in front as the potential Georgia starting quarterback at the conclusion of spring practice here? I mean, just for, for the opportunities that, that I've had opportunity to watch, he's definitely the uh, clear cut. Uh, but, you know, we're not there every day, and, and we don't have the data that, you know, the coaches have. But just from the spring game and the opportunity I got to talk, you know, Carson Beck was definitely – uh, the better quarterback right now for it being the most ready to play. Um, so it just seems like this just a formality that they're going through. Uh, but like you said, you know, because you started game one does not mean you're going to finish the season. Kirby have, have showed that, that he will make a change at, at, at the quarterback position if he feels like the next quarterback gives us a better opportunity to win. So I think Kirby is all about trying to win. It's about trying to put the best 11 players on the field, and that's what he's going to do. Uh, but as of right now, today, if we play the game today, I would bet my last dime that Carson Beck uh, runs out on the field first. And I kind of finished with this. I mean, to me, it seems like while – Obviously, sometimes you want that competition. You want to, you know, kind of put these guys against each other. Eventually, competition sort of gives way to development. And they, eventually, you kind of want to allow the, the the confidence the player has in himself to grow, the confidence that the other players around him have in him to grow there as well. The, the Georgia coaches demonstrate, hey, we trust this guy. We're going to build the offense around this guy and allow all these great pass catchers to kind of flourish, you know, with him that there's something to be said for this summer, not just being about trying to choose between the, you know, the quarterbacks that Georgia has, but to say, we've sort of made our choice. We're not announcing this to the media, but we've sort of made our choice. It is Carson. And now we're going to allow all of you who are going to be blocking for him or catching passes from him or, you know, whatever else to kind of get comfortable with that. To me, it sort of seems like that's what the summer should be about. How true is that from your perspective? Most definitely, because the quarterbacks kind of lead everything that's on the field. Coaches are really not allowed on the field with them. And so the quarterbacks that's leading the seven-on-seven, is leading everything that has to do with field activity. Um, Did we lose to Come up with their own. They have to come up with their own scripts. So the quarterbacks are the leaders to get the guys galvanized throughout the summer. So uh, – I, I just think, you know, Carson and all the other quarterbacks just continue to work, uh, continue to get better, continue to understand what Coach Bobo is trying to do. Uh, I know we're going to be very similar offensively, but Coach Bobo would have his own ideas as well. So it's just up to those quarterbacks to figure out the summer, the summer routine, and they should already have a blueprint 
of what they should be doing because we are back-to-back national champs. I love it, Terrence. Fun conversation. We're always glad to have you as a part of it here in our program. Is uh, Milton Spring practice, is it done? How much more time do you guys have, and when will the bubble work begin again for the uh, preparations for this summer and heading towards the fall? So we have our walkthrough today. We play cash on Friday. That's so a I fun get to game. See Kobe. Yeah. Yes, we I get to see Sokovic up up and close. I've seen him a bit in 707. Never seen him uh, in person in the game. So our Georgia fans come out, in, especially in the Alpharetta area, if you want to see a Georgia commit to Kobe yeah. White coming against our Milton Eagles, we play them Friday at 730. I and love bubble that. Work with, yes, the bubble work will start uh, the week after that. I love that. Tell folks how they can find you online again, Terrence. Oh, you can find me on all social media, uh, Terrence Edwards, Wide Receiver Academy. Hey, uh, good stuff, uh, Terrence. Thanks for your time. We'll look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. So this is something that Jake Fromm, who's going to join us in a few minutes, I talked about the other day. You know, with all the chatter of, hey, maybe in college football we should have spring games where – you know, I guess Hugh Freeze kind of started this round of this discussion. Maybe we should be playing Troy. We should be playing UAB. And Troy and UAB were like, heck yeah, we'll sign up for that. We want to play you. Um, that sounds good to them. But Jake was saying, you know, this is something that happens in high school football all the time. And uh, that, that's a good point. So, like, Terrence is a part of the coaching staff there in Milton. Big time 7A power. You know, uh, you know, a lot of success. A lot of talented players that kind of come through there over the years. And they get a uh, spring game coming up, lower classification team, but really, really talented. Sokovia White, they're the cast colonels. Uh, I mean, seeing Sokovia against Milton in a spring game, that's good football, y'all. That's good, good football. And so I love the fact that our state does that kind of stuff. There's always that attempt to kind of, hey, how much good football can we fit into one year? Obviously, the Corky Gale Classic, which I'm fortunate to be a part of, grows each and every year. We're introducing some new things to our state championships this year. Going to be bringing in replay, probably long overdue. We'll actually kind of get a preview of that of sorts during Corky Cal but you know this is just a state that tries to make sure it's playing you know at the cutting edge of high school football and some of these really really fun spring games against teams from oftentimes classifications you might not otherwise get a chance to see I I just think it's great and it takes some it takes a certain level of you know you know courage on the part of coaches to say okay we'll match up we'll go out there and play you we'll do those kinds of things but there's always a good number of Georgia coaches uh, who do have that mindset of anytime, anywhere, any uh, any any place, uh, we'll play uh, any any team, and uh, that's a fun one coming up. Milton and Cass on Friday night. A lot of great uh, spring games around the uh, state of Georgia, so we'll try to update you there on that as it kind of comes around. By the way, speaking of Jake Fromm, he'll join us here in a moment. Prior to that, though, let us go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean, and boy, I'm excited. I had a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation coming up, but I'm also excited for your royal caribbean cruise vacation so many of you are good enough to share with me when you're heading on the high seas whether it be one of those three night four night itineraries the seven night itineraries on the oasis class ships there's also kind of a really fun announcement as it relates to oasis class ships in port canaveral that's the port we typically go out of because it's one that's closest to us we'll be telling you more about that as it becomes uh you know kind of relevant for you uh, so kind of some fun new announcements coming via our friends at royal caribbean so this is a great time to be planning your royal caribbean cruise vacations Obviously, throughout the rest of 2023, but not too soon to start thinking about 2024. As I said before, cool new stuff coming to Port Canaveral, but also the debut of Icon of the Seas. It will be the largest cruise ship in the world when it uh, introduces itself uh, coming up in January. And boy, what a fun thing that's going to be. So if you think that might be a great opportunity for you to take your next cruise or maybe even your first cruise, our good friend Jessica Slater can help you out with all that. Give her a call. 
770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. You can experience the fun on board a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation that I have certainly loved for quite some time. All right, let's get a couple of uh, SEC stories before we uh, talk to Jake Fromm. Most of this is just for fun. So we're kind of in rubber chicken circuit version of the, you know, uh, portion of the year. It's sort of the talking season portion of the year. And we don't see Kirby kind of bouncing around doing a lot of these sort of booster club type dinners. I think he does two or three in the entire year. Other coaches do them more frequently. Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M, was in Fort Worth doing one of these with some of his fans there in Fort Worth. And during the Q&A session, the subject of TCU came up. And uh, uh, Jimbo was talking about TCU and talking about how that they were able to stay healthy and they had a good team. But then he kind of took a little bit of a jab at the end and when he said, and they finally ran up against an SEC team and things got different real quick or some of the effect, whatever it was that he said, basically acknowledging the fact that Georgia beat TCU 65-7. to So... If I'm Jimbo Fisher, I'm not quite so sure I've done enough to be talking trash about anything here right now. Obviously, many of you are well aware of his shortcomings so far as Texas A&M coach. There's also something a little bit odd about Jimbo Fisher talking trash about something that Georgia did. Something about that sort of seems strange there as well. But listen, I'm not going to be mad about it. I like it when these coaches go on these, uh, you know, booster club type things, uh, you know, talking season type events and show a little bit of their personality. Jimbo's got a little orneriness to him. You know, Jimbo's got a little edge to him. He comes from West Virginia. He's sort of got some of that fight in him. Uh, and he's not afraid to show it. So I'm not mad at him for doing it. But it is kind of funny to see Jimbo in this case talking trash about something that Georgia uh, did beating TCU 65 to seven, but he did not. He didn't. He didn't mind reminding those four, those folks in Fort Worth what had happened when TCU had run up against an SEC team there in the college football playoff. Another outspoken coach is Hugh Freeze. Freeze was at this. You know, this is the week of the the, the PGA Tour champions goes to uh, the Birmingham area. It's actually one of the one of the uh, champions tour major events there in uh, Birmingham, and they always have the celebrity pro am prior to that. The event sponsored by Regions Bank. There's always a bunch of SEC coaches there. It's actually an event that I've been to before. It's a pretty fun event. I actually, this is getting way off the subject, but I actually like the PGA Tour champions. I think it's a fun thing to go see in person if you ever get a chance to. Golfers are pretty personal, uh, you know, personable, I should say. You know, they, you know, are oftentimes willing to kind of interact with you a little bit. Uh, it's a little bit more of a laid back vibe than sometimes you get on the actual PGA Tour. I think it's also a pretty fun brand of golf, too. So I'm a pretty big fan of what you sort of used to think of as the old senior tour. They call it something different now. I'm kind of a fan of it. And I actually like this event in Birmingham. If you ever get a chance to go, I think it's worth doing. I've been before. Uh, but there's always a bunch of coaches there for the Celebrity Pro-Am. That's always kind of a, a cool thing to see. Kirby Smart was there. We're going to play some audio from Smart's radio appearance from Birmingham. We'll do that probably tomorrow. Uh, and maybe a couple times next week there too. But Hugh Freeze was also there as well. And Freeze kind of said something about his quarterback situation that's kind of gotten some attention, but I think it's just sort of fair. I think that Freeze is speaking uh, fairly here. So he's asked about bringing in the transfer quarterback from Michigan State and kind of what that means for a guy like Robbie Ashford. And Freeze said, hey, listen, we're going to do this each and every year. And he says, I think that Robbie's kind of handled this well, taking it well. But the fact of the matter is, is we want four scholarship quarterbacks on our roster at all times. And you know, we're going to bring in guys to compete and let the best guy win. In other words, they're not just going to promise the quarterback job to Robbie Ashford. They want to make sure they have the right guy. And kind of reminds me of what I've told you all before is that when you look at um, you know, the kid from Michigan State, at his best, you would probably be led to believe he's going to be the Auburn starter because at his best, he probably rises to the level of being an SEC-level quarterback. But he wasn't always at his best, and oftentimes he wasn't his best against the very best competition that he faced while at Michigan State. A lot of experience, not all of it successful. So the point here is is that I do expect the transfer quarterback to probably win the Auburn starting quarterback job 
But I wouldn't completely count Robbie Ashford out on this either. Uh, this is a guy that's shown some athleticism, obviously popular with some Auburn fans because he went to Hoover High School there. And so I think that Free should probably be taken at face value on this, that, the, that you make the transfer quarterback, you bring him in for the purpose of competing. And based on the you know previous track record of the quarterbacks, he's likely to win that competition. But it's not obvious to me that it's going to be a uh, you know a, a walkover for him, and it's not obvious to me that Robbie Ashford won't be heard from at some point in time as well. But either way, y'all, this is important to keep in mind that Hugh Freeze, you can say what you want about his personal life, but his track record of working with quarterbacks has been pretty successful. Take, take, take a guy like Malik Willis. Willis was buried on the Auburn bench, uh, left there, went to Liberty, and became a pretty valuable draft pick uh, simply because of his time there in the Hugh Freeze offense while playing at Liberty there's a chance that freeze could do something similar to that here with the auburn situation here now there as well i think his presence in the sec is going to be failed we we're talking about this with mike griffith yesterday mike and i both look at the idea of auburn exceeding its six and a half win total is probably the kind of thing that could happen i could see him being seven and five if everything kind of falls right could i even see him being eight and four and yeah i think i probably could and the presence of freeze could be a real problem for some of these other sort of youngish newish coaches in the sec who are trying to build up their own program you know freeze has beaten Saban twice been to a couple sugar bowls uh obviously he had to you know he left Ole Miss in disgrace we understand that but that doesn't mean he knows less about football than he ever did before and he could be I, I not even could be he is the best fit for Auburn than any of the coaches they could have hired would have been the other guy that was you know in kind of in conversation at one point in time to get the Auburn job was Lane Kiffin Kiffin is speaking out again about his relationship with Nick Saban and these two guys are seemingly joined at the hip it's just amazing to me and you know uh Kiffin's talking about how much you know reverence and respect he has for uh for Nick Saban he says some of the effect of basically I'm allowed to sort of take jabs at him but much like a family member type thing I don't want anybody else taking jabs at him and from time to time you do see Saban defended by kiffin on social media you've kind of seen some of that kind of stuff uh kiffin's obviously you know very profusive when you want calling the goat and things like that and you know my only point about kiffin on this is and i've said this before at some point in time if i'm an old miss fan or whatever you know school employs kiffin somewhere in the future it's like don't you want to see lane sort of step up and be his own man it's like you know being nick saban's caddy at some point in time don't you want to grow outgrow that role don't you want to be something other than you know in that kind of relationship with Nick Saban, if, if Kiffin wants to kind of view himself as a man in full, as a true football coach, you know, stepping out of the shadow of Nick Saban, I think is probably important. But if anything, he kind of goes out of his way to kind of remind you how connected he still is to Nick Saban. Now, maybe all this is some sort of grand scheme and plan. And maybe one day he'll be the next Alabama coach. I don't I don't know. Maybe I guess anything's possible. Certainly, Saban seems to like Kiffin, too, as much as Kiffin likes Saban. There's been a lot of back and forth between those two in the media. But... It just sort of seems like at a certain point, it's time to sort of step up, be your own man, and get out of the Nick Saban shadow. That's clearly what Kirby Smart has done. Uh, other guys, for the good or the bad, have kind of done that there as well. You know, Jimbo Fisher hasn't been quite as successful as I think he thought he was going to be, but he has certainly removed himself from Nick Saban's shadow. Lane Kiffin right now still seems sort of content to uh, remain in that shadow, much like a grown-up adult kid who doesn't want to leave from home. It sort of seems like that's kind of what Lane Kiffin comes across sometimes to me. Either way, we'll make that cruise around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean and get ready to talk to the former Georgia quarterback right now. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Merriweather and Tharp, time now for our Kroger Fresh Take and a chance to talk to the uh, terrific former Georgia quarterback, Jake Fromm. Jake, so good to have you back on the program. Hope you are doing well, and we certainly appreciate your time. Hey, Brandon. Doing good, man. Thank you for having me. 
and uh, excited for it. Yeah, I'm glad to have you here there as well. number of topics I want to get into. I'm going to start with something on the quarterbacks. The other day ESPN had a thing about the Georgia quarterbacks, and I guess the angle they took was a little bit surprising to me because when I look back on the spring practice that was, even though Kirby Smart obviously is going to talk about the competition still being ongoing, to me it sort of looked like Carson Beck took some pretty big strides towards becoming the Georgia starter that's not necessarily the way that ESPN recently uh, you know, kind of characterized that. How about from your perspective? And I understand, you know, competition is important to Kirby, and he's going to want to make sure that it's kind of maintained. But how much of a stranglehold do you think Carson put on the starting job during spring practice? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he uh, – I mean, he obviously wanted to solidify it. I mean, I think it's um, – you know, this whole, you know, competition word, I think it's a lot to do um, just really with the transfer portal, trying to keep it – competitive um and i think it says a lot to your team too uh from a head coach perspective you know when you say the quarterback you know competition is is up up for air up for grabs those guys are competing uh i think it also makes every other position that you have um you know more competitive guys fighting to you know wanting to win the starting job um so i I just think you have a lot more competition you know then throughout the entire team uh, position to position. One of the things the ESPN story also talked about was the fact that Kirby Smart has shown you, 2021 being an obvious example of this, that he'll make a quarterback change during the season if he needs to. You know, I think back when you first emerged as a starter in 2017, you obviously didn't start the first game. Jacob Eason did. He got hurt. You took over after that. Then late in the season, I guess, you know, we're led to believe that Jacob was healthy. He could have come back and played again. How much did you find yourself that year looking over your shoulder? Were you giving some assurances that you're going to be the guy? Like, how difficult is that for a, for a quarterback when you're trying to obviously, you know, lead the team, play well, but there's also that thought of sometimes maybe looking over your shoulder. Did you have much of that when you were, uh, you know, kind of first getting your Georgia career started? Yeah, so I, I never really felt that way. I had uh, kind of confidence. You know, as, as a quarterback, man, when you're when you're playing with confidence, you're playing with a little swagger, and you feel, you know, the guys around you, you know, start to believe in you. Um, I mean, that that really makes you feel good as a as a signal caller and and go out and, and get stuff done. So um, I, I really had that feeling, so to speak. Um, but you know, Coach Smart, when he has this quarterback competition, continue to go in, to continue to go into uh, the training camp. Well, I mean, what you do is you allow yourself later in the season if you do need to make a change. Uh, a little bit easier because those guys have had those reps. Um, other players on the team have seen this guy throw the football. It's easier to kind of buy into a, to a new guy and um, kind of makes that transition a little bit easier. So uh, that'd be one benefit from it. Um, but you know the 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 opportunity cost that you lose out on is having a guy like Carson be able to go out and get plenty of reps yeah. um, and feel comfortable with his receivers and and all those good things. You've been busy, obviously, this week with your own football career, so I don't know if you've seen this, but one of the hot topics around here has been the fact that Georgia's not going to the White House this year. Now, I'm sure you're just like me. You don't want to talk about politics here, but this has been obviously a, a little bit of an issue. So um, let me ask you this from the, from the standpoint of a, you know, kind of a former player here. Like, what kind of logistics challenge would this be when a season's over with and everybody's kind of going their own way, drafted, they're heading off their NFL teams, kind of getting everybody back together for something like this? Because I think that's kind of been, I guess, one of the concerns on the Georgia side is how do you bring a team back together when they've been away now for so many months? You know, from that standpoint, what's it like being a player maybe in a situation like this? Yeah, I mean, it just kind of depends on, when, you know, when, when is it, right? You know, I mean, it's, are we are we back? Are we doing football? Is this during you know May when we have off time? So it really just kind of comes down to to when the the set date 
uh, was or were going to be, so to speak. So, hey, look, that, that's a uh, decision that the uh, upper-level guys have to make, uh, Josh Brooks and Kirby have to make. Um, so, uh, you know, let, let them make that decision, and uh, we'll move on and play some football. You know, so one of the other things that uh, has kind of come up this week a little bit too is, and this is the kind of thing that I think a lot of us going to have to make peace with moving forward, you know, especially somebody like me, Jake. I'm probably a little bit more of a traditionalist, but you've had to kind of get used to things being a little bit different, you know, and, and even more different moving forward in college football. One of those things, a guy like Dominic Blaylock, who's, you know, beloved Georgia player and one of those guys that I think a lot of us believe could have had a great Georgia career, if not for a couple of, you know, pretty serious injuries that he dealt with. Well, you know, Blaylock moving on, we've, knew he's, we've known he was in the transfer portal for quite some time we found out this week that he's also you know on his way to georgia tech and for a lot of georgia fans and you know jake you're a guy that grew up in georgia so i think you probably have an understanding of this there's that weird conflict here of well blaylock's a guy that i really like but he's playing for a team like georgia tech that georgia fans don't like very much and yet you sort of feel like now you kind of got to make peace with that a little bit as a guy who played kind of what i think of as sort of the pre-transfer portal era in some respects you know, what do you think about the idea that in the future more guys that played for Georgia may play against Georgia and it may become slightly more commonplace for players to even go from the UGA roster to the Tech roster as they kind of take advantage of this transfer portal situation? You're a lot younger than I am. Is this weird for you or is this just the way the sport is now? Yeah, I, so from a player perspective, um, being in the NFL and then being on a couple different teams, you know, that's just kind of part of the business. It is now kind of new for college football, so to speak. Um, but I think it really comes down to, hey, what, what kind of teammate were you? Um, and then how did it all go down when you left? Well, I mean, Dom, Dom was a great teammate when I was there. Um, and I, I think Dom, you know, left on very good terms. So, um, I mean, as far as guys, you know, going and, and obviously playing Georgia Tech here and going to play Dom, uh, later in the year. Um, I mean, I, it'll be a fun game. Yeah. I think a lot of guys will look forward to it. It'll be fun for them. Um, you know, they're going to wish him all the success in the world except for that one game, sure. uh, during that week during Thanksgiving week. So, um, but it, it is. It is a cool, neat thing that is changing with college football because guys are moving around more. So, um, yeah, just something we have to get adjusted to. It's our Kroger Fresh Take with Jake Fromm here on Dog Nation Daily here. We're always happy to have Jake as part of our program, and this week in particular important when it comes to our friends at Kroger because we're looking ahead to Sunday being Mother's Day. And don't forget, when you're getting stocked up on the – flowers you need to give to your mom or the greeting card or the maybe ingredients for that special meal you want to cook our friends at kroger got you covered on all of that just find out more online kroger.com slash mother's day that's kroger.com slash mother's day you can also stop by and shop in store there as well to get ready for the big day coming up on sunday jake we'll finish up with this kirby smart this week was uh, asked about what we expect to be an announcement in the next few weeks about a change to the SEC schedule where there's a chance the league's going to go to a nine-game conference schedule, even if it stays at an eight-game conference schedule. We know divisions are going away, and we know that league teams are going to start playing each other more frequently. So the basic theory here is if you stay at Georgia for all four years, you'd have a chance to visit every stadium in the SEC while your college career was taking place. You know, you kind of played back in the era when divisions were very much a thing, and there were a lot of stadiums that you – never visited as a player would you have liked that more to kind of see more of the sec to kind of rotate the schedule a little bit more maybe you like divisional play because those were traditional rivals as a player yourself what kind of thought would you have on what the schedule might could have looked like and you know you never played at Ole Miss you never 
played at uh, Texas A and M. I could go through a list of places that you kind of never play, just because that's where you know that what the schedule you know kind of dictated. Do you wish you did see more of the SEC while you were at UGA? Oh, Brandon, see, this is tough. As a former player, I'm really torn uh, with this because on one hand, I, I think it really would have been neat. I think it would have been awesome uh, to be able to go around and play at all these different places. Um, and then on the other hand, man, I really love the tradition of the SEC. Like you know what it's going to be. You're going to get those, you know, two to three different games, you know, where you could be somewhere else. Um, but, man, I, I love, hey, knowing I, I am going to play Florida and Jacksonville, uh, you know, I know I'm going to play Vandy, Kentucky, South Carolina. Like, I know I'm going to play these teams, right? It, it gets, um, it's just a, a cool tradition, in my opinion. So um, it, is, it is tough for me to really say, well, um, you know, what would I rather have? I don't know. I know it's going to be a big change, and I know it's going to be a big deal. Um, as far as schedule wise and who you're playing and where you're playing, um, it could it could really make make or break uh, a team season uh, throughout the year with the schedule they get. So uh, I think it's going to be a big deal and something to watch out for. And as a quick follow up to that, I would sort of count some of the Florida games, some of the best games you ever played. Certainly 2018, I'd say at 2019 was in that discussion there for you there as well. There is a lot of talk that sometime in the very near future that game might not take place in Jacksonville anymore. You know, do you have any thoughts on you know the game remaining there, the the pageantry, the tradition, but also the chance to I guess benefit from also getting a chance to play them in your own state there as well? You're a good person to ask this because you had so many big performances in the cocktail party. What would you think if it went away? Well, I appreciate that, Brandon. I always like to circle that one at the beginning of the year, but um, yeah, I, I see that that's another tough one too um, because I, I love going into a different atmosphere. I love walking out on the field. Uh, and just knowing, hey, like it's going to be red on one side, it's going to be blue on the other, uh, 50-50. It just kind of feels like a, a, a different kind of mini bowl game in the middle of the season. You know, it's like a, a, a weird SEC championship, you know, like a 50-50 uh, deal. So I, I always look forward to it. I loved it, even though it really kind of felt like more of a home game for those guys because we were in Florida. Uh, but I know for the fans, I mean, that's a, an awesome experience for them, uh, for, the, for the kids at school. You know who go down there, go to St. Simons, and do all that stuff. So, I mean, I, I, I think it's cool. I love the tradition of it. You go straight uh, but to music, okay? From the football side of it, from the coach's perspective, you do lose a game uh, for being able to recruit, have guys in, uh, show them the the cool way we do stuff, uh, Sanford Stadium. So, um, you, you know, you're going to give and take a little bit. So, you know, what's it going to be? Something to look out for. Jake, good stuff. Always happy to have you as a part of the program. We appreciate your time, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you very soon as a part of our Kroger Fresh Take. Yes, sir. Thank you, Brandon. Appreciate you. Yeah, so as I told Jake, I mean, if you want to make a list of, like, true, like, gator killers, I mean, Jake Fromm is pretty high on that list. Uh, I don't know that he ever played a better game than he did against Ford in 2018, and he really played a very good game against the Gators in 2019 there as well. It turned out to be his last. But that 2018 performance is as good a Georgia quarterback performance almost as we've seen. So uh, around here, we believe that a good Georgia fan is a Gator hater, whether the game's played in Jacksonville or anywhere else. I hope it's not played in Tampa. But wherever the game is played, we believe a good Georgia fan is a Gator hater first and foremost. And if you uh, love hating the Gators, you love what Jake Fromm did to the Gators, 3-0 in his career as the Georgia quarterback. And certainly we love those rivalry game performances. By the way, now, speaking of... All kinds of cool stuff related to George. How about a golden shoe? Hayes Calloway sharing this. I love Hayes set up here. All those framed, you know, field editions from our friends at the AJC and Dog Nation and all that kind of stuff. But I also love the fact that Georgia has now won enough big games that you can have that kind of like framed 
really two walls in a house framed with uh you know headlines and stories from big wins that georgia has gotten that sort of tells you a pretty good story about georgia right there not only a great collection on hayes's part but also a great collection of big wins that georgia's provided which makes all of us feel really good so hayes well-deserved golden shoe for you on that and lousy stinking gators we do know the games in jacksonville this year and we do know what the result's going to be at least we believe we do georgia beating up on florida again 170 days from right now nice even number for you today 170 days from right now that is our gator hatred countdown we will see all of you back here tomorrow dog nation daily presented by meriwether and tharp